0: Hi and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life, and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Hey, so normally um, I am not on a time schedule, but today I am on a very strict time schedule. I have the honor of, as soon as I say yes and amen here. Uh, I am jumping in the car and driving to Staten Island because I get to be with them as well, which is, uh, it's cool. It's, it's like double dipping today. And so double the anointing, double, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Um, so listen, hey, if you're new here, I just want to say thank you so much for checking out Res Church. Uh, we are a family of families and we are genuinely honored that you guys would worship with us this weekend. And we would just love to get connected with you. Uh, in the back uh, following the service. If you have a few minutes, um, we'll have our team back there. Uh, And for everyone else, it's always good to see you and hear you and just uh, celebrate what Jesus is doing in his church with the people of God. Um, How many of you guys like movies? Some of you? All right. How many of you guys, and let's be honest, have been watched movies on Netflix or shows? Anyone? Anyone? Alright, so I, um, I don't think that I have an addictive personality, I, but may, my wife says I do, so maybe I do. Um, and recently, uh, everyone kept telling me about this one particular TV show, or series, I guess, and it's, it's on Apple TV. Why are you laughing at me already? He's already laughing at me. I'm not going to say the name of the show, but it's about an American football player who goes over to Europe to be a football player, aka soccer, and doesn't know anything about soccer, uh, but starts to turn this team around um, through his leadership skills. And everyone's like, Michael, you got to go watch it. You got to go watch it. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. We don't have Apple TV. And then it was like, well, you can get three months free with Apple TV. And I was like, I guess I'll get, you know, sucked into the abyss of Apple TV so I uh, ended up getting Apple TV and I watched the first episode. and I was like, Christy, what'd you think? And she's like, oh, we'll give it another episode or two. And then the second episode and it's starting to pique my interest. And then the third episode and I was hooked. You guys, you, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it's like they leave the cliffhangers. It's like, and we're going to make thee next time on, you know, um, and just leaves you hanging, right? And and long story short, don't judge me, but this was a particular like Tuesday or Wednesday night and somehow I got suckered into watching seven uh, episodes of this show. And I am recommending it to certain people because it's great in leadership. I want to be this guy, like he's such a good leader, That has nothing to do with my sermon, okay? Um, But this does, this does. Right now, we are partaking in God's grand narrative, God's grand story, so to speak, That is at that climactic moment of the life of Jesus Christ. And just like any show that we watch, it it pulls you in and there's tension and the plot's building. The same thing is true in the narrative and in the story of Jesus Christ. See, since the beginning of time and sin entered the world, God had been planning to bring reconciliation back to the earth and to invite all of us back into the people of God, the family of God, the kingdom. Of Jesus Christ. And this is, this is the start. Where we are today, this Palm Sunday, this is the start of that climactic moment. And, and basically, what I mean by this, this is the main point of our faith. This next week is the main point of our faith. It's why we worship, it's why we pray, it's why we read the Bible, it's why we give money to the poor, it's why we believe for healing, it's it's why we are in community with each other. And just like movies have a main point, so does Jesus. see the Lion King the Lion King is about Simba stepping into his calling into into the position that he has. then you have Titanic um, that movie is all about the unsinkable ship sinking and then you have Shrek Two, which is about an org and a donkey, and that 's all I know okay like I mean maybe there's some really good Santi can tell you all about Shrek I I can't, um, this is not in my notes, and I'm going to take 10 seconds to do this. We did an all-staff day one day, and uh, someone put their favorite movie, and it was all anonymous. We had to guess it. Favorite movie, and it was Shrek. Uh, And I was like, who on our team would like Shrek? And then come to find out, it was the one and only Santiago. (laughs) And so, um, but I don't know what Shrek 2 is about, except for a donkey and an org. And then you've got Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans in the house? Like three people. The rest of you guys need salvation. It's all right. We're going to do that in just a few minutes. But Star Wars is about this tension between the force and the dark side, right? And Really, it's just a family feud that ends up taking place. And then they made a lot of money off of it. And so they kept making movies and more movies and then side movies and then shows so that they keep making money about it. But here's the thing. Every story has a main point. Every movie has a main point that it's trying to captivate you with. And this is God's grand story and the main point starting to take place. The triumphant entry. The start to the last week of Jesus. And the suffering that he experienced. And here's his main point for you and for me so that we could be reconciled back to the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So if you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20 is where we're going to pick up to set the context. And I'm going to go pretty quick today. And so um, let's just start right in Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to pick up in verse 29. So Jesus is near the, the Jordan Sea, and he's about to make his, his long uh, trek, which is about a day's journey over to Jerusalem. It's about an eight-hour journey on foot over to Jerusalem. And he's leaving the city of Jericho, and it says this in verse 29. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there was two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they had heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Now, what I think is interesting to start off this is the pace that Jesus is going at. And we see this all the time is you see the disciples are constantly saying, hey, um, we got to go. We got we got people to see. We got things to do. We got the next train to catch. And what is Jesus always like? I'm going to go at my own pace. I'm going to take my time. And we see all throughout Scripture that if Jesus did not go at his own pace, many people would have missed an encounter with Jesus. But Jesus knows the speed that he needs to go to be able to minister and to make a contact and to be able to touch people's lives that need to be touched. And I think about in our own devotional life to Jesus Christ. How often is it are we saying, come on, God, hurry up, come on. Jesus, do you not see me? And and think about this. This is the main road out of Jericho. The main road that connects Jericho to Jerusalem that is still there today. You can literally go and walk this road. And Jesus, we see many times is in that region. We see many times that Jesus is around Jericho. He got baptized not too far from Jericho. So isn't it interesting that if these two blind men sitting on the road, and many theologians believe that they were beggars, they were probably there day after day, week after week, month after month, which means it's very probable that Jesus walked by these two blind beggars before and did not heal them. Until it was the appointed moment. The appointed moment. There's some of you guys that are believing God for him to answer. And let me just tell you, he's heard your prayers. He's waiting for the appointed moment. The appointed moment where divinity ends up meeting your prayers and the miraculous ends up happening. That appointed moment. And and not only that, I think it's interesting that these men recognized who Jesus was. They didn't say, hey, great prophets, hey, Elijah, hey, no, they said son of David, son of David, which was reserved for the Jewish king. And so these two blind men could not even see their king, yet they recognized the presence of a king whenever he walked by. I wonder how many of us. We have Jesus speaking to us right in front of our eyes, but we just ignore it. Yet there are blind people who recognize the presence and the authority of majesty. And these two men recognized their king and they called out to him, son of David, son of David. And then the other thing that I want to say before we dive in, this is all my intro. I'm joking. The other thing I want to say is um, a simple prayer. A simple prayer. Can I just talk truthfully? We overcomplicate Christianity so much. And if you're thinking about how do we overcomplicate it, you just overcomplicated it, okay? Like, um, it's very simple. And Jesus was a very simple rabbi, very simple messiah. And this simple rabbi, this simple messiah, this simple high priest responds to simple prayers, even Paul addresses this. What was their prayer? prayer? Son of David, have mercy on us. I remember this one time we had this this uh, pre-service prayer thing up in Albany. And I may have shared this story before, but there is this one particular kid, Anthony Beckles, uh, really guy and had some some challenges in his life. And um, people were coming and they'd grab the microphone and and it was all good prayers. But some people were like, come on, we we want revival. We're going to call it out, which we do want revival. We're going to call it out and other people praying and heal for healing and other people praying for all this. And then Anthony Beckles ends up grabbing the microphone and he goes up there and this is like a 19 year old kid and he's just shaking, just shaking. He says, God, have mercy on us. And then he puts the microphone down and he walks away. And I'm telling you, the moment that he prayed that prayer, something shifted in the atmosphere. Because it was a prayer of humility, it was a prayer of salvation, it was a prayer of God, we need you to move. And it wasn't puffed up, it was a simple prayer for a simple Jesus who has a simple gospel for all of us. And so Jesus goes in to Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 21, and it says... And when they drew near him to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage, another version may say Bethany, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. Verse 4. And uh, this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, uh, colt, the flow of the beast of burden. And and so I want you guys just to kind of see some significance of of what's taking place right here, because this is something that just kind of blows my mind. All right. Can we do a little bit of a history lesson real quick? Yeah? Okay, cool. Um, So Jesus was a Jew. If you didn't know that, now you do, right? We have this image of Jesus being a white man. That's incorrect, all right? Jesus was a Jew from the Middle East, um, which meant Jesus practiced the Levitical law and the Mosaic law, which means he would go to the temple for Yom Kippur, He would go and he would celebrate the festivals that the other Jews would celebrate. He would go and he would bring the sacrificial lamb before the high priest and they would slaughter the sacrificial lamb. But this Passover celebration is different. See, this Passover celebration, he is coming in as the Paschal lamb. Which simply means this. What would take place is um, four days before Passover, they would select a lamb, a spotless young lamb that would, that would could not have any blemishes on that lamb, and then they would bring this lamb to the high priest. The high priest would then examine the lamb, and then they would set the lamb right outside of the temple, and they would wait four days before that lamb was then slaughtered. We now celebrate that as Good Friday. And Jesus walks into Jerusalem, into the Mount of Olives, into Bethany, overlooking the city of David. And he shows up, not as just Jesus of Nazareth, but he shows up as the selected, perfect, spotless, paschal lamb that would be slaughtered for your sins and for my sins. And and, and we we think about this, and why is it that that Palm Sunday is so important? Palm Sunday is so important because we know on this day Jesus entered into the suffering of mankind. Jesus entered into our space. Jesus entered into all the chaos around us and all the sin around us, and he says church or people of God I want you to know the lamb that you're going to slay is not going to cover the sins, but the lamb of God, which is me, is about to cover the multitude of sins for the entire world, for the entire world. He was doing what the Passover lamb could not do because he was the perfect lamb. He was the lamb of God. And so Jesus coming in here, I want you to think about this. A lot of times we have this image of Jesus, of, of, of him just being this soft kind, you know, like, hi, Jesus, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, that's that's what we think of, of Jesus. And, 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 and I just want to challenge all of us. This was not that Jesus. This was Jesus that was entering in to die for you and for me. This is Jesus that is entering in to have nails driven through his hands and nails driven through his feet This is Jesus that knew that his own creation would cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. This is Jesus who would be strung up on that cross and have a spear jabbed into his side while there's blood pouring from his head. And he did this willingly for you. And for me, and so sometimes we get this idea that Jesus isn't tough, that Jesus is just about love and unicorn and flowers. And yes, he's all about love, but sometimes that love looks right into the eyes of sin and death and says, I'm about to destroy you for them. This is that Jesus who enters into Jerusalem. It continues on in Verse 6 says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. I just want to say this as a sub point. Don't want to spend too much time on this. But I think it's interesting. His disciples have gotten to this point with Jesus where they're not going to argue, right? Like many of us do. Jesus tells us to do something and we're like, God, was that really you? And I got to read my Bible. Well, the Bible says to pray for people. But Lord, I really need to pray. Do I really need to pray for people? Like, you know, has that ever happened to anyone? All right, well, I'm going to be honest, and I'll tell you, that it's happened to me. I went to Christy, and I was like, Christy, I think God wants me to start praying for random people, but I need to pray about it. And she goes, Michael, why are you going to pray about what the Bible tells you to do? Yeah. I was like, that's why I married you, and that's why you're my better half, right? But the disciples have gotten to this point where they're no longer going to argue with Jesus. Jesus says something, and what do they do? They do it. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. For somebody in here, God has been telling you to do something and you keep questioning him. And I just want to challenge you, the disciples, which you are a disciples, did what Jesus directed them to do. Our relationship with Jesus requires obedience. Bottom line. I know a lot of times we don't want to be obedient. I'll be the first to say it. But sacrificial obedience will lead to a blessing later on. And it may not be in the way that you think, but it's going to be a blessing for the kingdom of God. I'm just throwing that out there. Not really in my notes, but let me keep going. Verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on them their cloaks, and they sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And if you want to title this message anything, you can call it The King and His Donkey. The King and His Donkey. Because what the Jews were expecting was this king to enter Jerusalem on a horse. And to enter Jerusalem with a legion of soldiers to go and to attack and to take back the city of Jerusalem that had been stolen from them by the Roman Empire. But this wasn't the Jesus that they got. They were prepared for that. They were ready for that. The Jesuits were sitting there saying, we're ready to fight. But this wasn't the king that the world needed. See, it's just like Batman, right? Movie reference. Batman was not the savior the people wanted, but he was the savior that they needed. And the Jews, this was not the Savior they wanted, but this was the Savior that they needed, this king. And he walks in on a donkey, which I think is very interesting, right? I don't know anything about donkeys. I've never ridden a donkey. I've ridden a camel one time. He did not spit on me, thank God. Um, but I don't, I don't know a ton about donkeys, all right? But what I do know is, historically speaking, kings would enter in on a horse. Judges would enter in on a donkey, Donkeys also meant peace. meant that I'm coming in here to bring peace to Jerusalem. Peace to the people of God. Peace to my enemies. Again, the Jewish people, they wanted this conquering king to come in on this horse and with legions of soldiers to take out the Roman Empire. But that was not... The case, Jesus entered in Not only to fulfill the prophetic uh, prophecies about him into Jerusalem, but Jesus entered in to usher in a new way of peace for all of humanity. Meaning, you can lay down at night and you can pray in Jesus' name, and the righteousness of God and the peace of God would end up falling and resting upon you. That's why Paul writes about in all things, in all things with thanksgiving, with prayer and petition. Pray and he will hear your request and the peace of God that transcends all human comprehension will guard your heart and your mind. This king of peace This king of humility. And then the other thing that I think is interesting, and if you go to Jerusalem, you can literally see this on the Temple Mount. It's the coolest thing. They've got this one particular spot on the Temple Mount that is the original rock of Mount Moriah. It's the very tip point of Mount Moriah. Now, if you don't know anything about Moriah, it's okay. I'm about to fill you in. You see... Abraham ended up bringing Isaac to the very top of Mount Moriah to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. And if you don't know the story, the Lord intervened. Isaac did not die. They ended up killing another animal and um, in, in being there. But, but the significant part about that is Abraham led Isaac to the altar on a donkey. And Jesus shows up in Jerusalem... Where the temple is, the very next verse, he goes into the temple. And you can literally go and see this place in on the Temple Mount right now. I'm telling you, it's, it's absolutely amazing. But Jesus shows up into Jerusalem on a donkey to fulfill the covenant that he made with Abraham all the way back in the day. And might I say that he was also fulfilling what God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, that I'm about to be the sacrificial lamb and I'm going to crush the head of the snake. I'm about to crush the head of the snake. And this is what the religious leaders had been praying for for years, right? This is what the religious people were sitting there. You know, we, Adonai, Adonai, we need our Savior. We need our Messiah. But it wasn't the Messiah that they wanted. And so what did the religious leaders do? They rejected him. They rejected him. They said, we we want nothing to do with this. Actually, after that triumphal entry of peace and love and joy, and I've come to be the sacrificial lamb on the day of selection of the lamb. After all of that, what did the religious leaders do? They conspired against him and they plotted to kill him. Playing right into God's grand narrative story. And the thing, as I start to land the plane, The thing with all of this that I think grips my heart the most is the people. It's the people. The people walking by Jesus. The people laying their cloaks down for their king. The people who are waving their palm branches in celebration and in joy. The people that are gathered around to see is this the Christ the people with baggage, the people with addictions, the people that are sometimes contemplating their own devotion to Jesus, the the people that have been innocent bystanders. And one by one, they start calling out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna? Yeah, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest, which literally means save us. Save us. And so as Jesus is entering into the holy city of Jerusalem, the people start to recognize that He is the Christ, that He is the Messiah, and they start calling out to Him, Save us, O Holy One. Save us. You are the God in the highest. Save us. You are our high priest. Save us. We need you. In church, do you know what's happening right now 2,000 years later? Is there are people on the subways and there are people in the hospitals and there are people in our colleges and universities and the places that we work who inside their cry out for a savior they're crying out for someone to save us and instead of turning to Jesus they turn to addiction or they turn to drug or they turn to something else maybe even another religion but I'm here to tell you there is a humble king who entered into the holy city and whenever he entered in there he entered as a savior not just for the Jewish people but for us 2,000 years later it's a simple gospel that we cannot miss God, save us. Save me. It's that same Jesus that walked down Palm Sunday that met me 16 years ago in a Waffle House parking lot in Vider Podunk, Texas and encountered me. If you don't know where Vider is, it's okay. It's a spot in the road. We have a Burger King and a McDonald's and a Waffle House and God rest at Waffle House. That's where he encountered me. Man, let's not miss this moment. Let's not miss this moment. Right now, there are people all around us who need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. This was the start, the start of the last week of Jesus' earthly life that ended up paving the way for righteousness to be restored to all of mankind. I'm going to ask Pastor Victor to come up, and he's going to close us out today. But church, I just want to challenge you this Easter season. Be bold in your invite, because it matters. It matters.
1: Praise God. How many can appreciate Pastor Mike's passion? You know, as he was sharing, and you know, you think about during that time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those, they didn't recognize that day of visitation. They didn't recognize that the King of Kings was entering in. But the people did. You watching our live stream, there might be a moment during this message that you felt a touch from God. That's not a coincidence. That's the Lord trying to get your attention. You're here in person. Perhaps the same thing happened to you. Perhaps you're at a place in your life where there's challenges that are really weighing down on you. Don't miss the day of visitation. we stand up to our feet. So if you've never experienced the love of Jesus in a personal way you've heard the stories you did the religious thing as the Pharisees and Sadducees did but you never encountered Jesus for yourself you never really said Lord I need you I need you now Watching online, or you're here in person. If you've never really said that to the Lord, you never really said, Lord, I want you, Jesus, to be my Lord. I am tired of living this life the way it is. I am searching. Perhaps you're one of those individuals that Pastor Mike exemplified when he said. That we go to different places. We go and get different vices to try to get that satisfaction in our soul. And we wake up in the morning when we realize the problem is still there. The emptiness is still there. Let Jesus fill that void. He did it for me 28 years ago. He did it for Pastor Mike 16 years ago at a Waffle House, he said. He can do it for you here today. He can do it for you who are watching on live stream today. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray with me. Heavenly Father. Lord, in Jesus' name, I make a decision today to surrender my life to you. Father, I make a choice this day, Palm Sunday, to receive Jesus as my Lord. And as my savior father take me as I am renew my mind transform my heart lead me and guide me by the power of your spirit in Jesus name amen If you prayed that prayer online, on a live stream, send us a message. Let us know. And we will help you walk this walk of fame. For those of you who are here presently with us, we have leaders. ask the leaders to come on up. Go up to one of the leaders. Don't be ashamed. We've all been where you're at. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Now, am I telling you that when you exit these doors and you said that prayer that your problems are going to disappear? No. But what I'm telling you is that you have a different perspective. That you know you had an advocate in our Father in Heaven who's looking after you and for me. So Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your loving kindness. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that Father, as we begin Holy Week, Lord, that you would just continue to stir up our heart. Lord, to invite others to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Lord, that this Good Friday coming up, Lord, and Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Father, would be the greatest moment in the life of the church across this nation like never before. Father, that people would know and see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one goes to the Father but through you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's worship the Lord.
0: Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242 and be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.